Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This episode of the Cold Popsha podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, listen to up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, or give us something to discuss in our new post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash What's up everybody, this is AJ coming at you at the top of the show. Just thought I'd let you all know that this is one of our annual... Uh, most disappointing films of the year podcasts which last year we split into four parts we did two in the middle of the year and two at the end of the year to prevent another two and a half hour podcast from from happening or however long they ended up being um there haven't been that many films this year which is uh for various reasons we discuss in the episode if for some reason you don't know why that is I just thought I'd let you all know that there are indeed time codes in the show notes below for when we talk about what we we talk about and when we talk about it because we do spoil pretty much all the films we talk about um, and if you want to skip through that, that makes sense. So there you go Uh, and please enjoy the episode. Should I start from five, or is wow. that too confusing? It threw me off. Also. I don't know if By I have enough time, time to wait. From five, and I clapped on two because I was just—I I, was—I wasn't listening. I was just used to hearing the 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 clap, <laughs> and I was like, "Cool, I've heard three noises. It's time to clap." <laughs> okay, three, two, one. Hello. All right. Welcome to the most disappointing films of the first half of 2020. Uh, this is a sequel to our dumbest looking films of 2020 podcast we did at the start of the year. Now, I know what you're thinking. Hmm. Hasn't been many films coming out this year. How are you going to do a whole podcast on it? Um, and you know what? We thought about that. There was We thought, you know what? By the end of the year, there's only going to be one podcast's worth of films to talk about. But then we decided, if anything, the, the this has been the most disappointing year for movies because th- there haven't been any. Because, of course, mm. of the worldwide, if you're listening to this in the distant future and you haven't been reading your history books, it's because of the coronavirus pandemic, <gasps> COVID-19, <gasps> which has been ravaging the world. Ravaging. These are COVID times. Yeah. Except not in New Zealand, really. It's been ravaging the world and us little hobbits down in New Zealand have actually been doing A-OK. Yeah. So you can release your movies here. Yeah, yeah, just go for it. We've got a huge market. Yeah. A huge market. Yeah, so... Um, Come on, Hollywood! Because this is like a sequel to that podcast, uh, what we normally do is we'll like go through each of the films, even if we haven't saw them. I'll just mention like, oh, this... Saw this, them? And we didn't. Saw them? <laughs> even if we haven't saw them. <laughs> look at the du- look at the little boy who can't talk right <laughs> Everybody point See? and jeer. Even if we haven't sure seen I said them? Even if we never saw them. 
even if we haven't saw them. I said, I'm pretty sure I said, I, even if we never saw them. Oh. Okay, well. Reroll the, the tape. Oh, yeah, listen the back on the tape. Will know. <laughs> Each of the films, even if we haven't saw them, haven't saw them, haven't saw them. By the way, just for those who have tuned in for the first time, uh, welcome to the Cole Popshire podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I have AJ, and over I'm there Richard. is Jeremy. And hey, Richard, I'm Jeremy. Um, <sighs> Richard, who haven't saw something or other, I feel mean. Yeah, I'm, I want to stop recording and re and replay it. <laughs> Nah, it's real annoying because wrong. because you would give me this kind of shit, but I feel bad giving you this kind of shit. If it helps, AJ, I don't feel bad. Well, I don't. I don't, don't understand. Like, I don't think that it happened. <laughs> well, if both AJ and I heard it, and we were the ones listening, to yeah, but you guys are also stupid. <laughs> I'm turning off the podcast. Well, I was just like, AJ, are you are you feeling less bad about this now? Yeah, you, well, are you he, feeling he would, more I, stupid because you are. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh all right so yeah um welcome to the abuse podcast yeah i mean you already know that is, is what this is is this gonna be a mean episode is this Ooh. the tone we're setting is it because we're so disappointed i think we need to bring some positive energy to this disappointing podcast should we just start again <laughs> <laughs> much like the year 2020 yeah. where you just wish we could fucking start over <laughs> mm. Now, usually these um, retrospective or looking forward podcasts that we do um, at the beginning, middle, and end of each year, uh, they end up being extraordinarily long. Like, I'm talking... Because Jeremy fucking yaps on. Well, I mean, it is. I am the common denominator for all the podcasts (laughs) that go to four hours long. But combined, so both, all four parts of Most Disappointing and the two parts of Dumbest Looking... Um, that we've been doing for the last couple of years, they they total about six hours or so <laughs> of content. Um, yeah, but it I'm, is I'm, it, it, it is worth checking at this point. Yeah, Jeremy, do you have anywhere to be? Because you always go. We'll be halfway through. And he's like, by the way, I have to go in like in three minutes. <laughs> when we did this as a live podcast, and he had to leave the live stream, that was the single most unprofessional moment of Cop Popsh's career. It's because you said that it was going to go for an hour, hour and a half tops, and then at two, two, two and three quarter hours, I was like. I have to go. But now you know better, so you haven't made any plans? Well, no. I mean, my next plan is to be the person who wakes up with my daughter. Yeah, your, your infant daughter doesn't six, need your help. 6.30 <laughs> in the morning would be the time that I... So, unless... I mean, on this podcast, out of all of them, I, I would say it's most likely we are going to go to like 5.30 in the morning just nice. because we have so little to talk about. We're yeah. going to inflate it. Yeah. yeah, I have no idea what to expect. It's like, I mean, listeners can look at the time code. Yeah, I think I would generally expect this is going to be looser than normal. Um, yeah. Which is why we've just been hurling abuse at each other uh, <laughs> instead of starting the podcast. But Because we have three movies to talk about. But also, the other thing is, not only have like no movies come out, but the ones that did feel like they came out fucking ages ago. Mm. Remember Doolittle? <laughs> I try not to. I don't have to because you guys saw it and I learned from Oh, you. well, that's good for everyone. You'll, you'll shut up for a moment. Oh, oh wow. fuck, man. Oh, shit. It's getting real oh, dark. Oh, shit. It's getting real dark, mummy. Uh, no, we love having you here, Jeremy. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Doolittle. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, 
Do you the, the Grudge came out this year? There was a new one of those. We and did then, talk about it. And then Like a Boss. I've written that down. I don't remember what that was. Like a Boss <laughs> is the... I think it has um uh the break... Uh, Tiffany Haddish in it. Yeah. Um, I, did, I almost saw it and then I chose to watch Fantasy Island instead. Mm. I yeah. didn't see either of these. I heard The Grudge was abysmally bad. But uh, you know that, what? It can't have been worse then. What? <laughs> Doolittle. All so right. man, there have been like there last year there were like maybe two or three. Wow, I can't believe these were that bad movies. Yeah, I feel like every second major release is a wow. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe how bad this movie is. Movie. Yeah. Um. Do you want to give a quick rundown? Uh. What if we go with the Eddie Murphy one? I remember watching that years ago. Uh, do you want to explain what we mean by Doolittle? Oh, so it's the Robert Downey Jr. Dr. Doolittle movie, um, which was a passion project of his, uh, reportedly riddled with production issues from a shitty director and all sorts of other things going wrong with it. Um, Do we want to say what it's about? We don't usually do that on (laughs) these podcasts. We just talk about what we think of it. Um, And what I thought of Doolittle was... This is the worst movie I have seen in years. Oh my god! Like, yeah. If if you go back and and you you look at what's you know what's the worst movie of 2019? What's the worst movie of 2018? I went back and I think it wasn't. I didn't get till like 2015 before I found a movie. I can't remember what it was that I was like, yeah, that's probably worse than. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, this is like this is this decade's Sex in the City too. It's the movie mm-hmm. that like this was like one of the first movies to come out this decade, and it'll go down as one of the worst. Oh, it was it was horrible. Everything was was wrong about it. Like, so Jeremy, you you haven't seen it, right? Is no, that what you're saying? I've before? I've consumed a lot of content about how bad it is, though. Oh, like. Yeah. Yeah, I so I feel like I have seen it just because so many things have been described to me. Yeah. You you tell people what happens in this movie, they flat out don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. essentially to paint the picture if you missed any of the marketing, it's like a Victorian era Dr. Doolittle story. Dr. Doolittle is a fictional character. He's originally a book, I think, is is the original text. Yeah. Um was a book uh, and he can talk to animals and he's a doctor um and he's there's been several different movie versions including the more famous eddie murphy one um which was set in modern day this is set back in victorian era and it's about them looking for a dragon and most of the movie is pretty fucking boring and not very funny um it's it's dodgy Isn't there like special a whole, effects a plot about the queen and and you have to like save the queen of england yeah, yeah. something like that and um yeah there's like port some uh, like varying levels of quality of cgi of all the animals who are of course voiced by a-listers and whatnot uh mm. but yes in the end they do find the dragon um, yeah. there's a dragon in this movie and doolittle is able to communicate with that dragon who says roar i need an enema i'm really constipated roar um and so that like uh, robert Daniel jr like actual um, delivered lines in the movie no and then so oh. robert Daniel jr sticks his fist inside of the the female dragon's he asshole a, an, and an then animal. pulls out um all of the blockage out of her butthole uh, and including bagpipes and then in a very funny scene um she does a massive fart in his face um and this is robert downey jr's passion project and not only was this his passion project um 
but Robert Downey Jr. actually came up with that ending. And <laughs> and it, you might go, well, whatever, it's a silly kids movie. No, it's not a silly kids movie. It's a very serious kids movie yeah. for the most part. Like, it's it's not really that comedic. There are, there are wacky characters. But There's a dragon l- butthole scene. Guys, we have to remember, Robert Downey Jr. did do a lot of drugs. Yeah, this, this has been a passion project since, like, 2003. Like, he's done a lot of drugs, and that many drugs, that much drugs, that many, who knows, that much drugs over the course of your lifetime does actually permanently addle your brain. So that kind of like fun kind of off kilter character he manages to play on screen all the time. Yeah. That's actually who he is. And so when directors and other people give him lines to say, that's fine. Cause there's a structure around him. If he's in charge of coming up with the structure, this is probably what you're going to get. Mm. And also it well, is worth evidently. noting as well that the lines he was given to say were clearly given to him long after the fact because maybe 70% of the dialogue in this film is like off screen. <laughs> so people's um like people's mouths will be covered. There's the bit in the trailer you see when he's like wearing an old school diver suit and it's covering above his mouth. Um or it'll be like the shot reverse shot thing but it'll be like um People you know, it's reacting. my reaction shot while you're talking and then it flips and it gets you listening to me talking. And it's like one of those things that the average movie goer might not notice, but I had it. I, I knew that going into it that this was an issue in it. Um, and it's so weird. And this it's it's ADR. It's all recorded after the fact. And Robert Downey Jr. insists on doing this strange Welsh accent that he like can't really do. Um, and so when he's like half of his face is obscured and he's going like... It's all right to be scared. <laughs> it's, you have it's, courage. You have courage, little squirrel boy. Yeah, it's it's fucking bizarre. It, it's one of the strangest movies I've ever seen. Uh, having said all this, Michael Sheen plays the villain, and he's great. <laughs> <laughs> You've come around to the Sheen train, huh? She's she's got you. Jess has convinced yeah. you that he can even make Doctor Doolittle great. Um, no, no, no. He didn't make Doctor Doolittle great. <laughs> he is great. He, you, he, you is, he like, is a good. He's a, like he's a very typical mustache twirling villain, and he's like you messaged he, me. After, he's clearly he knows what he's doing. You messaged me after I saw it and said, "What do you think of Michael Sheen?" I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> and you're like, "He's he's great, eh?" And I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> but so that that dragon scene, I really do need to emphasize. Like, it, it. I I was saying like when I first saw it, I was like, "It's weird that the." Robert Downey Jr. one has the pulling the ba- the bagpipes out of a dragon's butthole scene, and that's not in the Eddie Murphy <laughs> ones. But it's even pretty crass for an Eddie Murphy <laughs> Doctor Doolittle. Yeah. I don't think it would be an and, and it's it's just it's so and and it farts and then John Cena who plays a polar bear goes teamwork makes the dream work and I'm like I'm going to die I'm going <laughs> to die watching this movie and it's just it's so bizarre I can't believe it exists it's it's the worst movie i've seen in years because it's just boring and bad and then it ends and just the most absurd place uh that's like not it's it's weird be feeling disappointed that a boring movie goes somewhere interesting at the end (laughs) that's what's wrong with it it's off brand right it's 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 not in line with the tone of the rest of the movie which maybe would be a good thing if it was a cool scene but it's not a cool scene. It's a deeply stupid scene. How do you think that the studio execs felt when they like saw, first of all, what obviously they hated because then they had to go and do all these ADR the studio kind of execs famously hate 
dragon enemas. <laughs> no, no, no. But like, obviously, it was a tortured process, and it went through so many different things. But like, then the final result was what ended up going out on screen. And like, this is the best version. There was a bunch of people who were just like, "Whoo! All right, well, we prevented that other thing from going out. Thank God it wasn't that, and it mm. ended up being this." And you're just like, "How? How could anyone have felt okay with sending that out to be watched?" Mm. <laughs> yeah yeah all right moving on um bad boys for life i don't think any of us saw that did we but um no. currently highest grossing film of the year <laughs> no yeah and also um, had a pretty high rotten tomato score from memory which is surprising mm. i have some friends who enjoy those movies and they enjoyed it more than all they right, yeah, more so than they thought they were going first to. recommendation of the podcast bad boys for life <laughs> check it out um Hot. all right so um now we'll skip over a couple but um that none of us saw not we're talking about but um there's a, a big chunk that came out in february that um they they had a theatrical release because it was about march that things started to get delayed i remember um but these are all ones that they came out they had a theatrical release and then a month later they were on video on demand because you know there's no point waiting six months because people mm. might see that again uh but the first big one of those was uh birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Uh, we all saw... Jeremy, did you see this? Birds of Prey? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Birds of Prey, what did we think? Let's start with Jeremy because he didn't get to talk about Doolittle. Um, I had... <laughs> yeah, it sums it up perfectly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I did not like how much this movie aggressively tried to get me to like this movie. Hmm. um i had i have not seen any i didn't see suicide squad i hadn't seen uh justice league so i haven't seen really any of the late of the last sort of several dc um movies and it's just so aggressively thinks it's okay so it's it's that classic thing where someone thinks that they're super quirky and interesting and like eh but then they're just actually quite normal, but they're just wearing funny clothes and mm. they don't actually have that interesting of a personality. And that for me was this movie. Yeah. It's like, I'm super special and super like a unique take. And it's instead I'm, I'm actually not, I'm just the same thing as, as always. Mm. Now, AJ, you had quite a different perspective, I believe. Do you want mm. to elaborate on that? Sure thing. I am frantically trying to remember my feelings for this movie. So that you can... Well, uh, that you can defend it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so I really liked it. I actually really, really liked it. Um, and but the I will concede that the fact I don't remember exactly what I liked about it is maybe a strike against it. Um, I will <laughs> yeah. concede that. But I can I, off the top of my head, I really liked um Ewan McGregor's uh Black Mask. I thought the coolest thing about the movie was that um. So Black Mask in the comics is is a traditional. Uh, he's a Batman villain, I believe, um, and he he's a mobster that wears a black skull as a mask, as he is in the movie. The greatest addition in the Birds of Prey movie is that it's it's like thoroughly explained to you that he's essentially culturally appropriating the black mask mm. like he, he he has like he's a collector and he's collected all these tribal things from africa one of them being like a, an african death mask which he yeah. thinks is cool and cute because he's yeah quite a i mean this is one of the last character. things to come out 
when blackface was still considered okay. <laughs> still considered okay. Now, now that it's officially bad. Um, boy's the villain. And yeah. I thought that was... That was... So, so it's fine. So if you want something to happen in a movie that's totally not appropriate, just assign the villain to do it and you can still portray All it. All right. I think that this is maybe too happening right now to too be niche. joking about this. Um for the wreck, if you haven't seen it, it's not literally blackface. It's a war mask. It's it's not yeah. anyway. It's an African um, war mask that he has no business with. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's what's that's what makes him like a villain to the core. And I really like that. And yeah. he's also quite a it's quite a fun performance from Ewan McGregor. What I yeah. loved about Ewan McGregor in this is that he so obviously did not give a shit about this movie at all, mm. and he just was like, eh, I'm not going to act too hard. I'm just going to have a bit of fun on set, yeah. and that's all good. I'll get paid. No and I worries. get to hang out with my girlfriend because he he's like famously spoken out very negatively about superhero movies before, um, but you know he's sleeping with um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, so he was like, eh, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this movie when this movie came out, AJ, I think you saw it like opening day, and I, I saw it a couple of days later, and you and I um, are, are quite admittedly both quite like very sensitive when it comes to like spoilers and stuff when we consider each other's with certain movies we consider each other's opinion a spoiler um and so you said to our group chat birds of prey and then you did like the, the praise emoji um and so i was like oh okay and then i went to go see it and i was like that was that did not deserve a praise emoji um i i i'm more on jeremy's side i thought the movie was just kind of obnoxious it's like it, it's the Deadpool 2.0 it's someone saw Deadpool thought I could do that but the the main issue for me I think is and and this is an issue that has become you know massively apparent because the film while it was still in theaters was rebranded to Harley Quinn uh colon Birds of Prey and it's like the movie should have just been called Harley Quinn and then it should have been Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey or Birds of Prey yeah. or something like that because the, the, my favourite part of the movie was the last 15 minutes which is the yeah. only time the Birds of Prey are actually assembled um, and like the interactions between them were great I thought and so it's I, I think you should have either like not promised the Birds of Prey in this movie because I just spent the entire movie waiting for it or um, y- you know just, just or, or introduce them earlier mm. um, and it did feel like a bit of a reshooty kind of movie. You talked about Ewan McGregor, and I think it's like one of those things where they realized that people were going to like him too much. So there's one weird out of place. Well, what I thought was out of place. I think you you've disagreed with me on this, but um, is it the, the, the scene off? where he 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 makes this girl dance on a table, and he just and he keeps on like making her dance and she very clearly doesn't want to and it's like this one scene where he's really really evil and he's got this like dark eye makeup on that he doesn't have else in any in any other scene in the movie and it's like yeah it's misogyny it makes you angry it makes you hate him but it's it's like it was filmed like a year later because he's forgotten how to play the character it feels it feels so out of place It, it just comes in the middle of like it feels like a studio note that we need to hate you mcgregor more before the finale so just add in a scene where he does something well, that like, makes you hate. There him. needs to be more of a threat from him, yeah. Like because otherwise the movie is just a bit kind of like ah, ha, 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 and we don't really get a sense that Harley is kind of in peril that much. Yeah, I really liked um, the <laughs> the girl power subtext to it, or or maybe it's not really subtext, but what is subtext is 
the anti-male <laughs> subtext, which I, I really enjoyed. If you watch that movie, like every male character is either straight up evil or like lets down the female characters. Mm. And it, I think that was really important because this is the first, or not the first actually, but it's a, a female directed superhero film that was, was kind of birthed out of a very um, male dominated initial run in, in the DC universe, yeah. whatever it is and there was that cool parallel that was like it was weird because it's like dc are green lighting a movie that's criticizing their own internal um structures um mm. but i like that about it and i and I, yeah. I i really appreciated that and that there was no i don't know it, it's it's over the top but that's that's kind of what i enjoyed about it and also i really liked um mary elizabeth winstead's character huntress i thought it was cool that she was not just a generic heroine but she was awkward yeah and, yeah but yeah. again it's like i would have just like just put her in the movie more like have confidence in these new characters rather than having to be like oh you know you love margot robbie as harley quinn watch her for an hour and 20 minutes before you get to like really see these characters because like the when they're they're fighting at this like fun house and there's bits where like you know they give each other like hair ties and stuff like that and it's like these these fantastic little moments that like yeah only um like actress like female actors and a female director would come up with those things yeah yeah um no, and, and it's like and and that was like yeah, it was the satisfying payoff but i, I didn't think the journey was worth it like Fair but enough. but this is one of those movies that i i didn't i i, I enjoyed i didn't love but i'm excited for a sequel what did yeah. you guys think of margot robbie i like i i think margot robbie is is a great I've always said this. Margot Robbie's a great casting as Harley Quinn. She wasn't really used to her full potential in Suicide Squad, but I'm perfectly happy with this being the the Harley Quinn showcase. I thought yeah. she was great. I think um, Margot Robbie's best performance as Harley Quinn is in The Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> like, straight up, it was like, when it was like Margot Robbie's playing Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad... It was like the the from Wolf of Wall Street is like just do that again, and yeah. then the the changes she made was like you had it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I think the accent was really cloying for me. Like I, it just it took me out how kind of extremely broad kind of Brooklyn New York accent it was. It was just like I mean I, again I haven't seen Suicide Squad so I don't know, but like yeah. I, and I think particularly because they started it with that cartoon. At the beginning, mm. it was like, you know, the history of Joker and Harley Quinn. The whole beginning of the movie was done in a cartoon way. Yeah. It was just, uh, and it was just this like, I mean, I, I, I guess it just, to me, it doesn't feel as lived in, in as her. Um, no, it feels affected. It feels really affected. And, and like, she's like, I, I want to, I don't know. And I feel like it was a direction thing as well. Because the thing is, Margot Robbie's freaking awesome. Like, she's yeah, an amazing yeah. actor. And so. Like it's, I think it's no, um, no doubting her abilities. It's more that, and it, I think my problem with the portrayal of Harley Quinn is also with where they did the final fight scene. Like they went into this sort of like cotton candy, like cartoonish funhouse, yeah. fun house, and I was just like, really? Like I don't know. I just found it really tiresome and like a return to the kind of 1990s batman um batman and robin kind of nah man nah you just don't you just don't like comics like if if that's your problem with that scene i'm becoming acutely aware that like 
this is a podcast of three straight white men and we've just spent like 15 minutes bagging on birds of prey um i haven't i said it's great how anti-men it is <laughs> i'm in the clear <laughs> i'm you, a cuck oh <laughs> you you two are the ones who've got splaining to do yeah um, and splaining to do <laughs> uh yeah i um i don't know it, it's a, it's a two and a half to three star movie with the potential for a really great sequel. Mm. Uh, I, I think that all the supporting characters were the ones I enjoyed the most. Like so. I really enjoyed the um, female cop. I thought she was... Mont- Mont- Montoya? Montez? Um, and the driver. Yeah, Those two were my favorite characters in the movie. I thought mm. they were really cool. And I loved the relationship with the um, pickpocket girl. Yeah. That was really cool. So it's like the rest of it is kind of a crime movie. I really enjoyed. It was kind of like the flourishes that made it Harley Quinn. The comic booky kind of thing. Yeah, like I was, I don't know. Because those were the bits that felt like a lived in world. And mm. then it was like the stuff. Yeah, I, I guess my my main, my my one sentence review would be that it's like an unfulfilled promise. Yeah, and I would definitely watch the sequel because mm. I think that there are things to explore in it. I just didn't really like it as a movie because I felt like it was. Yeah, Jeremy, it was do you, I mean, AJ, do you want to give your closing statements? I don't think it's going to get a sequel. All right, well, okay, if we'll end on AJ's negative note. <laughs> and now we've got, what, four movies left to talk about? <laughs> yeah, year? so uh, uh, not long after Birds of Prey, we've got Sonic the Hedgehog. Remember, how, remember this mm. was a big deal? Sonic. God, video game movies have, have such a um, failure to launch, eh? Like, they've yeah. been famous, famously bad for so long, and then the last two years we've had Sonic the Hedgehog and Detective Pikachu, which everyone was like, this is going to break the curse, and then they fucking barely break the curse. It's not that they bomb, it's that they, they stumble across the line. It's just that no yeah. one cares about them after they're released. Yeah. Um, I, I did, uh, overall, I would say I was mostly leaning toward negative on Sonic, but I also acknowledge that it's just a dumb kids movie. I think they Th- could that's the thing, yeah. made more with it, I guess. Yeah, like, like Detective Pikachu is like, oh, oh yeah, it, it's, it's got bits you'll enjoy, bits you won't, and it's like, but at the end of the day, it's kind of, it, it, it's one of those movies because obviously we're the generation that was raised on Pokemon. There, there is stuff in there for us, and it's kind of aimed not entirely towards kids. And um, when people ask me, "Oh, is Sonic worth watching?" It's like you have to keep in mind it is just a kids movie. It's Kangaroo Jack. Yeah, this it, is how people felt. This is how film critics who were our age felt in two thousand three when <laughs> they had to go review Kangaroo Jack for their movie blog. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's like like when I saw Kangaroo Jack, I was ten years old and I loved it. I thought it was awesome, and it's like, well, cool, it achieved it. I'm sure kids loved Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, um, I, I do have like. Uh, the, it's the positive things I guess that have stuck with me like it is really fun seeing Jim Carrey act like that again um, it is fun but do you know everything you've just said about um, Birds of Prey I think a lot well not everything a lot of it could apply to Sonic because similarly Sonic the Hedgehog ends with Jim Carrey as full costume Dr. Robotnik and like this other dimension and I I left Sonic the Hedgehog, and then also, spoilers, blur, the post-mid-credit scene introduces Tails. And so, just like you with Birds of Prey, I'm going, I want to see the sequel to this movie. It sounds like it'll be way more interesting. 
But the thing is that Sonic the Hedgehog wasn't called Sonic and Tails, a Sonic story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like a game accurate Dr. Robotnik and Tails. (laughs) That's the name of the movie. Game accurate Dr. Robotnik. I I really enjoyed, as I said that, just watching your realization of like, oh shit, this was a terrible argument for me to make just flash across Uh, your eyes. No, yeah, yeah, I really liked watching your face and saw you realize how fucking wrong you were. You can't put words in my mouth to make me like admit I was wrong, Jeremy. So deny All it is, the, the, no, the the okay, sure. The title you're just talking about the title. The title promises something else. I my my criticism that the sequel looks more interesting is still perfectly valid. I love that look on your face where you realized I was right. That's the most arrogant thing anyone has ever said to me. This is a dark podcast. Okay. It's a dark year. <laughs> let's let's liven it back is- up by talking more about Sonic. So <laughs> Sonic is he can run really fast. Um, one, one thing that's interesting about one thing that's funny about the Sonic movie, and it's like one of those classic like, why did you pitch this? Is so Sonic Sonic is famous for being able to run long distances at a in a very short amount of time um but it's a road movie he just they spend the entire time in a car and there's one moment in the when they're in the car and he like sprints to the coast and back in a matter of seconds and it's like you could have just done this trip like you didn't need to do any of this did they contrive a reason why he had to be in the car they must I, i think he needs james marsden's directions you but get, that's you get more or less it. Like, you get knee deep on like the fourth draft of the the long sought after Sonic the Hedgehog movie, and you've <laughs> written that it's a road movie, and they're both in a car, and you're just sitting there in your office at two a.m. and you're like, "Fuck." <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, yeah. um, but like, like, because you know Sonic, Sonic doesn't Sonic have search every like square inch of San Francisco, which is where they're heading, in like the amount of time it would take James Marsden to start the car. <laughs> It, it's insane you know what sonic doesn't have a cool vehicle do you know what he does have um gas because he farts twice in the oh movie and he flosses yeah he flosses not he doesn't like his weird enormous human teeth. human teeth he does no no he doesn't oh, floss his teeth. Floss he does dance. The, the Fortnite dance right 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 yeah yeah um but it's like also very how funny str- how yeah. strong is sonic because could sonic have conceivably just carried james marston uh, I yeah, think it would I think kill, so. I would have killed killed James Marsden. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my favorite take from Sonic, I think, was from Jenny Nicholson, who tweeted, "Anybody who said that James Marsden is an underrated hero actor um, can eat their words now because he's terrible in Sonic. <laughs> yeah, he I, plays I was like, like the human character in this movie, and he's just real bad." I was thinking when I was watching this, I was like, "This is a kids' movie." What is James Marsden at this point in his career doing as the lead in a kid's well, movie? Well, he's in Hop as well, which is another movie where he's in a car with a CGI character. <laughs> but the Just- thing is, the thing is, is that this sounds like a weird thing to say because it's a Sonic movie. But if you'd cast someone better in the James Marsden role, that's a, that's another star of, you know, another an added star to the overall rating of the movie. Like, if it had been a cool character actor that i actually cared about who would you have cast fix sonic uh well do i have more budget can i cast whoever no they have to be the same star level as james Ooh. well that's the problem that's what i'm saying like if you cast i don't know any charismatic a-lister it's automatically ben gonna 
Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz. So just plays, do both. plays yeah. Sonic and the human character. <laughs> How, where, where is Seth Rogen? Because I, I would cast Seth Rogen in Thomas that Middleditch. Yeah. Thomas Middleditch would have been great because he has rapport with yeah. Ben Schwartz. Yeah. Um, The weirdest thing about this movie, my biggest problem with Sonic and Jeremy, while you were giving us a live play-by-play when you watched it the other day, you did bring this up, is that it starts with like, I'm Sonic and here are my origins. And you see him (laughs) as baby Sonic um, running around (laughs) the Green Hill. Well, actually, no, Green Hill Zone is the human world, um, but he's running around his sonic world and the reason he enters the human dimension is because his adopted mother who's an owl is attacked by a bunch of ninjas and she opens up a dimensional rift and throws sonic through it now when i saw this in the cinema i was like this is just this is sonic lore right this must Deep cut. it's so Deep cut. it's so specific it's so <laughs> specific and quirky and weird like why is his mum an owl? I, I do just have to ask: Was his actually um, his mum, or is it like a maternal figure? It yeah, felt it's like a, a mentor I, kind of. Yeah, it's his adopted adopted son. Essentially. Right. Well, yeah. Wikipedia says um, his guardian. Long, yeah, his guardian. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just the guardian like, like Valhul, or what? You remember the, the the owl movie, The Guardians? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Some some game designer in in 1995 was writing a Sonic sequel and was like, and his mother is an owl because we need another animal character. I th- I assumed everything in that opening scene was a reference to some Sonic lore deep cut. It wasn't. That was made up for the movie, and it never comes back. It's so weird. It's such. A yeah. long like you could just make his mum another hedgehog and i would have never questioned it <laughs> it is so odd man it's but the also, weirdest thing about the movie the other thing that's so so bizarre is that when he comes to earth the things that he gets used to as like normal and like can understand are so random like he's really into the romantic relationship between james marsden and his girlfriend and the movies they watch but he also doesn't know the term police officer like he he refers to james marsden (laughs) he's lucky (laughs) (laughs) well he's blue um but but it was just super weird to me the things that sonic had like totally just understood about our world and like could either read or like hear all these things. And then he would just sort of randomly throw out these kind of cutesy, like, I don't know the real phrase for this. And it was just like, I don't know. I mean, and, and I had to keep going, Jeremy, it's a kid's movie. Shut the fuck up. Like just watch it. Mm. Um, it, it, it is like, it is rare that you like these days watching like a movie like this, that is purely a kid's movie. Like obviously like AJ and I watch things for the podcast, like pup star and, and, and things like that, that it's like, yeah, you watch it, you go into it knowing it's just a kid's movie. And that or, no one's going to care about And there's about certain logic. movies that, like, um, you know, when, when they come out and, like, like big studio releases that you know, oh, oh, okay, this is just a kid's movie, you expect the odd joke for the parents. Um, but Sonic, like, it, it is just a kid's movie. It looked like it was going to be fun for the whole family. And it probably should have been. Yeah. It's, it's based on a 90s property. It yeah. probably should well, have appeal to adults. And it's got Jim Carrey in it. It's yeah. like... Yeah, you get people who loved Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Sonic the Hedgehog, better than Birds of Prey or nah? 
No, come on, no, no. Uh, they're, they're next to each other in my ranking. But they are. I think. I know oh, they're not in my. In my oh, um, they're actually also next to each other in my ranking uh, as well. But but Sonic I will is say below. this. I I was saying to this to Jeremy before um before the pod. Uh, we, if you go to my letterbox ranking for the the nine movies I've seen in 2020, um, my top six I loved, and my eight and nine I hated, and then seven is Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks nice. like i real fucking hated like sonic the hedgehog but it's like ah oh, i don't hate it <laughs> um so all right next up we had um same day and is uh fantasy island jeremy you just watched this today didn't you I, oh man i i watched it today because i was just like i'm interested i'm interested in this idea of like fantasy island being a sort of a concept from a what 60s tv show was it something like that um and and so they made you know blumhouse has made a horror out of it um it was way better than i thought it was gonna be it's not good so it's not i say it's not great but it was enjoyable there were some good performances in it um basically the conceit is be careful what you wish for that like fantasy island has this kind of like supernatural kind of weird ability to tell what you most desire it's kind of like mirror of era said kind of thing mm. um and and so a whole bunch of like sort of instagram type people influences yeah it, basically they get presented as they come off the plane at the beginning of the movie they've all been invited onto this island because they're all kind of influencer kind of people um and and they're kind of like here to test it out and kind of share it with their um followers and uh what's really weird about it is that all of the actors are just that little bit too old to be influencers <laughs> like you can tell it's like, it's like michael penn yeah <laughs> yeah well no no because he's the guy who runs the island oh, right. um but like they're all in their kind of like mid to so early to mid 30s and you kind of go the type of influences they were portraying are like college age right and it was just it was weird that they were all slightly too old um but yeah um it was it was enjoyable i wouldn't i wouldn't say anything about it in terms of like the plot and stuff i feel like the the conceit of it is very simple and then towards the end it gets very convoluted as to like how the magic of the island works or the supernatural stuff it's just like what are the rules around this and i don't think it was completely clear but still enjoyable i would i would give if you're a fan of thrillers slash horrors it's not too horror like it's not super super gross um but there's some really cool kind of moral quandary kind of stuff that goes on and it was altogether more intelligent in places than it had any right to be so yeah i was surprised uh also around that time we had emma i think both of you guys saw that oh it was great emma's so good this was my favorite of the year for a very long time wow me too but not because it was that good it was just because i didn't (laughs) see any other movies for a long time um uh so this is i said to you jeremy when i saw this this is such a squarespace movie the cinematography <laughs> looks like squarespace templates like it's all these like pastel dulled pastel greens and and things like that um it's so based off the jane austen novel stars anya taylor joy um my favorite thing about it is that there is a scene where emma and the main guy friend um dance and it's sort of the first spark of romance in their relationship and it is a swelteringly sexy scene it is it's just them dancing but the acting in it barely touch oh oh my god it was electric it's very sexy (laughs) (laughs) very sexy yeah yeah 
Um, I, I, I had reservations about this movie because of the aesthetic that you mentioned. Like it was yeah. so such a tightly ex- controlled aesthetic. Yeah, every time I saw the trailer, I, I assumed it was for a TV show. Yeah, and 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 interesting. Generally, when I see when I see such a sort of a, a vibey a vibey kind of remake of something like a, a classic Jane Austen property. I'm yeah. like, Oh, are they going to get carried away with the aesthetic of it at, to the detriment of the actual story yeah. and being true to what's in the novels? Cause the funny thing about Jane Austen, the reason why her stories keep getting made over and over and over again is because they're free. They are, <laughs> to they are free, but they are so good. <laughs> like they're just, and, and, and the themes that she explores and the relationships and stuff like that, like what she has to say about love is just so true across time. And so, Mm. I was love I was, is the one thing that transcends space and time. So that's were- from Emma. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I went in with, with, like a little bit of trepidation, and I should not have worried at all because it was just so well done and so true to the text. And the cool thing is that Eleanor Catton, the Kiwi author, was the person who actually wrote the screenplay. Um, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, Jane Austen did all the heavy lifting. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that, but that's the cool thing is that she actually did let Jane Austen do the heavy lifting because she basically just yeah took the most of the dialogue is just quotes directly out as much as possible out of the out of the book Mm. and there's several scenes that you cannot do um emma uh, yeah emma without um Mm. and and she got all of those she hit the right notes on all those scenes and they were just it was great to her it was incredibly refreshing and the direction was beautiful and actually i thought that the sort of really crisp beautiful perfect because the idea behind it is that emma is essentially a mean girl like she is kind right. of the popular mean girl at high school and the whole story of Emma is her realizing that she thinks of herself as a really nice person because everyone likes her and then realizing that the reason everyone likes her is because she's got this amazing status in society and that she needs to humble herself in order to be truly nice and truly good. Yeah. Um, and and so the whole aesthetic of everything being perfect around her really worked as part of the story. So it was just great. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Very cool. Mm. Uh, I oh, the, more to sorry, the performance the performances were so good like Johnny um, is it Johnny Ivy I think I, I, yeah. Bill Nye no 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 Johnny um, the guy who played um, <laughs> he is good in it though uh, oh gosh mind, total mind blank um, to, played the main guy Mr. Knightley you want me to look up Johnny he played Ivy? Mr. Knightley um, he was amazing um, and what was really cool was that I realised that I'd actually previously seen him in a Shakespeare's Globe um uh, version of Twelfth Night, which he was also awesome in, so that was great. Johnny Flynn. Johnny Flynn. Thank you. I was going to say, I looked up Johnny Ivy, and he's a um, he works for Steve. Well, worked for Steve Jobs. Oh, Johnny Ives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So. Um. Yeah. There, there was, like I said, there was this big bunch. Um. So the yeah it was Birds of Prey, Sonic the Hedgehog. Fantasy Island Downhill, that remake of Force Majeure. Um, I didn't watch that, but I did watch Force Majeure with um, my flatmates um, a couple months back. Have you guys seen it? No, I mean it came out years ago, so yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not really but the time. But <laughs> it was it was an interesting thing to like watch this movie, which is very like because like the trailer for Downhill. It's like that classic thing where, like, the American version of this harrowing Scandinavian film is a, just a dumb comedy, and it's like, ah, uh, <laughs> like, mm. like the I because th- I thought based on the fact that Downhill stars Will Ferrell and Julia Louis Dreyfus that like the and original written and directed by Jim Rash and Nat Faxon. 
Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought because of that, oh, the original must also be like this quirky comedy. It is... It's a drama. Like, it's a drama. It's If you've never seen it, the, the, the kind of conceit of it is it's about a, a while on a ski resort, a father abandons his family during a controlled avalanche because he thinks it's going to kill them all. And it's that doesn't kill anyone. And it's the, the family sort of coming to terms with the fact that they have a, a real-life application that their father would leave them behind. To, and to is a total coward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and it, it's it's not funny. It's not a funny movie in the slightest. So don't watch Downhill because it doesn't look very good. Do watch Force Majeure. It's very interesting. All right. Uh, Emma, The Call of the Wild and The Invisible Man. I'll just finish my list <laughs> that I was midway through. Uh, yeah, those were the films released early on um, Video On Demand that had a theatrical release. Uh, but yeah, the last of those, The Invisible Man. Um, we all saw this and yeah. like I saw this and I was like, this is the first like great movie of the year. I think mm. um, this was fantastic. It's um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an updated version of like the classic horror uh, monster, but uh, yeah, this one is all about, uh, you know, it has uh, themes of domestic abuse. Uh, Elizabeth Moss's character has been abused by her partner. She finally manages to escape from him and then finds out that he's supposedly died um but then she ends up being stalked by uh, an invisible version of him because he had been working on this suit that would make him appear invisible and so it, it is this like very kind of creepy thing you're not supposed to really know if like what's going on like if she is really being stalked or if it's all in her head uh, and then you know obviously you get clues and, and evidence that it's like actually happening and then the end of it it kind of turns into like a proper monster movie where there's a very tangible bad guy that they're take it down but yeah what did you guys think of it yeah it's it's very cool um yeah it's i thought it was awesome jeremy did you like it i freaking loved it man that's interesting because i was re-listening to uh dumbest looking films of the <laughs> 2020 <laughs> podcast the other day and you were so dark on this you were like oh yeah whatever and i was like it looks very timely and you were like timely doesn't mean good so <laughs> It doesn't Turns necessarily, out. but it can. Um, but yeah, th- I mean, that is why a lot of this is good, I think, is that in a, in a you know, the, the cultural conversation around believing the victim is an extremely palpable theme in this film. Um, and it's great because it it requires you as a passive audience member to believe a victim without necessarily proof of certain things. Um which I thought was a cool way of emulating that process in a film film way. I thought it was pretty amazing the way I the thing that really got me and is when a film can build an atmosphere. Like when yeah. when film builds tension and atmosphere through the way not not through necessarily anything a character says or does, but through the way the film is actually being made. And I just from the very moment that this this film opened when she's in bed and she wakes up and she's looking around and like all this sort of stuff, you I mean, I guess I did go into it knowing that this was kind of an hmm. allegory, you know, had had been overwhelming sense of stuff. dread. But I think that even if you'd gone into this with no idea about what this was going on, you would absolutely understand from like 30 seconds in that this was a woman who was afraid of her husband and needed yeah. to get out, you know, and and like and I 
there's there's a part of me that <clears throat> because the only time in the whole movie where you see the husband actually be violent is the moment where he runs at the car and he smashes in the window as she's escaping at the very beginning of the movie. And like, why? And you see him be violent several other times later in the film. Well, no, but it could be his brother later True, in the film. Yeah, and so that, that's the only time. But it, it is it is confirmation that he is violent through yeah. what you see and what another character sees in the film. And I, it's it's almost like I would have. There's, there's a part of me theoretically that would have loved that not to be the case and that the entire presentation of him as a domestic abuser is just through the lens of how she's reacting to you, him. You would and what get a lot of male reviewers that would have... I know, and fuck those guys. Jeremy, if I may, that, I think that is in there because if you remember, the, ver- the resolve of the film is that he's like, no, no, it wasn't me, it was my brother. I was kidnapped this whole time. Yeah, and no, she's like... only. The only time in the movie that you actually... He is violent. He, yeah. like, runs after I think after you did her. make that point, and I think you should let AJ finish. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what, I, what I'm saying is that, like, that he's lo- he claims he's locked away, and everyone believes him except for Elizabeth Moss's character. And, and the, the audience, end of the film- because we saw that part. <laughs> at the, the end of the film is she kills him and you the audience this is what i was saying before the audience you the audience have to decide if you believe that he was the invisible man as well as his brother was or is elizabeth moss and you know a, a remorseless murderer or she kill him for the wrong reasons and you know i think you're supposed to believe Elizabeth Moss was right, hmm. but the fact it doesn't confirm that, I think, is where it puts the responsibility on you. Yeah, and, interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I never, I never saw it as um, ambiguous in any way. Um, I, I, one hundred percent was like, "Yep, he's a bad guy all along." Um, sure, but the and, film and doesn't. I didn't, I, I didn't see that as like at the end. It's like, oh, you're supposed to not know. It was like, oh, really? Yeah, well, I, it's not I, that you're supposed that to not like, know. Yeah. It's that you're supposed to believe her without any tangible evidence. I think is more. Yeah, well, I guess I just believe victims. <laughs> well, so do I. I'm saying that's the point. <laughs> I'm more woke than you. <laughs> I'm not saying. Um, why do you do this to me? The why other do thing- you do this to me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just pointing out the subtext of the film, and you're making it sound like I'm trying to like be some <laughs> hero. I'm not. We're all trying to be the good guy here, okay? Um, no, the, the other thing that I really liked about... The other theme that I really liked was this... Um, I think a return after Iron Man to this idea of... Like, well, to basically like... <laughs> Bizarre film. No, 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 Not no. since Iron Man. Look, it's look. a post-Iron Man film, The Invisible Man. <laughs> but basically, that like Iron Man introduced this idea of like, you know, essentially the rich you know elon musk type like amazing inventor who has Mm. all the money and stuff like that as inherently and the the creator of any uh technology that would like make him streets ahead of anyone as like automatically the good guy and Mm. i think it's fascinating to be like this guy created something that no one else even knows about or could even imagine and he is the bad guy like like Mm. that kind of power and that kind of invention and technology in the hands of someone like by himself independently with no oversight actually is terrifying. Mm. I think that's another theme a, that I really yeah. like is just like, it's yeah, more that realistic. is terrifying. Um, one thing that I, my, my one kind of issue with this movie is it does the, if these two characters would just have a conversation, the, the, you know, the plot wouldn't happen, not the domestic abuse, obviously, but um, there's a moment where from the main character's account, the invisible man sends an email to, uh, her sister being like fuck you i don't want you in my life uh, and the sister's like 
Right, I know you've been through a lot of shit and you almost died, but get the fuck out of my life. I can't believe you had sent that email. And it's like, are you fucking stupid? Like, just listen to your sister for five seconds. She's trying to, like, it obviously wasn't her. Um, oh, that scene in the restaurant, man. Whoa! Best part of the film. Like, that, that, shit, that reveal in the, in, the, in the restaurant. Obviously, if you know the film, you know what we're talking about. If yeah, not, spoil the ending. We won't I mean, you just spoiled, spoiled the, the ending middle. and said that she kills him at the end. Like, <laughs> I didn't spoil that. <laughs> I only did that because you guys, you said, um, oh, but it could be her brother, which is also spoiling the ending. Again, I didn't say that. that was you did say that. You the did say is, that. When no, people listen to these podcasts, they said it could be her brother. And I said, oh, yeah. They know these are spoiler podcasts. But it's 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 a Russian roulette of spoilers. We didn't spoil Birds of Prey. You spoiled spoil Doolittle, Sonic, though. though. You spoiled Doolittle. We wow. did spoil the fact that Sonic flosses in here and... <laughs> And, and Tails turns up. And that Tails appears, which is <laughs> potentially the biggest spoiler. Um, <laughs> Would you have been mad if someone had spoiled that for you beforehand? That Sonic flosses? No, that, that Tails is in Sonic. Uh, if I cared about Sonic, I would have. I actually, to be fair, I actually think I knew going into it that, Sonic, that Tails wow. appeared. I think I'd read it. Um, yeah, Invisible Man, great. Very great. I, Very good. The moment, the that first moment where the... the um, breath fog appears it's oh that's so good yeah it's just yeah. yeah mood so, same day as that we had guns of kimbo i've spoken about this a couple of times already you've spoken about this so many times i feel like <laughs> i have seen this movie four times given how many times i've heard you talk about this movie are you guys done are you done are you done repeating what you have to say about this movie <laughs> what did i repeat that's oh. not very good. I didn't say that just then. I said same day we had guns of Kimbo, and you guys took that as a as a ch- as a chance to abuse me. Well, guys, I had a chance to see this movie early this year. It was last. All year. I was going to say was guns of Kimbo. Was I've spoken about that before? If you want to know what I thought, you guys haven't seen it. But if you want to know what I thought, there's two other podcasts you can listen to about it. What do you think? <laughs> well, I'm not going to say now. <laughs> Jeremy, I invite you into my home. (laughs) AJ, I invite you into my heart. (laughs) And this is how the two of you treat me. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, though, it is no less than how you treat us two as well. So, you know, we love you too. I treat you with Mm. nothing but love. (laughs) Nothing but love. Should we talk about Onward? Onward. All right. So Onward uh, actually got a limited theatrical release here it was one of those it came out like right on the cusp of the the lockdown and everything like that um but it was released earlier in the state so it had like a full theatrical run then but it did uh land early on disney plus so we were able to watch mm. it there uh and again this was this was the second great movie of the year i thought <laughs> this, this was one that i went into knowing the general consensus was oh yeah it's good <laughs> For a DreamWorks film, <laughs> um, which genuinely is like most people will tell you that's what they thought of it. This is fantastic. I thought this was amazing. I loved I it. Loved it. Yeah. I loved it so much. Um, so this is, if, if you didn't catch the joke, it, the, it's not DreamWorks, it's Pixar, um, which, you know, we deal we deal in, in 
in high Pixar on this podcast. This when did I say that? I said that on a Patreon, the Wally episode we just released on Patreon. I was like, when have I said this before? Um, yeah. So it's Pixar, which I always like mark in my calendar. This was like a an appointment viewing. My lockdown um bubble and I, we you know pulled wait what got everyone into the lounge to to watch it one evening um and i think that it starts and i was like this is all right for a dreamworks movie for the first maybe maybe act and then um as it kicks into gear and stuff starts happening i was like it's pretty good and then by Mm. the end i was on the verge of tears feeling Mm. very fulfilled by this movie uh this has been at the moment this is my number one of the year same um i i loved it i thought it was so good and also we don't do this very often anymore but really cool title bomb in this movie yes really liked the title bomb which is when he he's in in, um one of the characters so it's a fantasy world where the goblins are they goblins what are they uh elves and they go Oops. on a road trip, but it's it's like an urban fantasy world. And when they're trying to to speed away from some bad guys or whatever, Chris Pratt's character Bentley Barley, who's the older brother, um, yells at uh, Tom Holland's character, whose name I can't remember, Ian, and Ian, and says, "Set it, to, push it to O for onward." And I thought that was very cool. Yeah. That was so long to explain. Yeah. I didn't need to explain all of that. Yeah, it's a very, like, it's, again, it's a road movie, although the characters mm-hmm. can't travel faster than the speed of light in this one, so it makes sense mm-hmm. that they would travel <laughs> on a car. Um, yeah, it, it's, it, to me, it's like, it's everything you'd want in a Pixar movie. Like, Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Well, it's, the thing that Pixar do so well is they introduce you to a new world and then they explore it for all it's worth. And I love that. Like, they don't leave stuff on the floor or, you know, leave stuff on the table that they could have explored. So, mm. they they, they yeah. set up like, hey, it's a fantasy world. It has magic, but people have kind of neglected it. And I, I also like that theme as well, that people, like, neglect magic because they've got electricity and kind of all that sort of stuff. And there's, you know, parallels for modern our modern life as well um, with the things that we undervalue, like relationships and, and that sort of thing. And... Just rediscovering the, the magic. magic in the world was just really fun. Like, and the stuff like, um, you know, uh, turning uh, Chris Pratt's character tiny for a while, and like, just all this, all these little things that happen, and like, Pixar manages to do it in a way that just makes sense for story all the time. They do cool, cool stuff. Like, DreamWorks yeah. would also do cool, shiny, fun little like um, uh, tricks. But then Pixar does it in such a way that it makes story sense to do it that way as well. Yeah. And I have so much respect for the storytelling. And I, you know, as the movie went on, I was like, oh, wow, that's what they're doing. This is, wow, okay. Yeah. Like, that's some pretty deep theme shit there. And I think that's the difference between if this was a DreamWorks film is that the it's it's a fantasy world, but it's our modern society. That would be a gimmick in a DreamWorks film and in a Pixar film. It drives the story and it's all mm. based in, in that world building. And also, if it was a DreamWorks movie, they just would have gone on, on an adventure to find something. Mm. Um, but this was inherently tied into like the deepest hopes and dreams mm. of of each mm. character. And it would have had like Shrek in it or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have uh, three good scenes that I like. The the idea of three good scenes and no bad ones um, means it means a good film. I have three good scenes for this film that I want to point out. Do you have any bad ones? 
Um, I won't, I don't think there are any bad ones, but I will say that the 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 not even the whole first act, but the introductions in this movie, it was like. I could kind of see, as I said, I could kind of see what people were talking about. Mm. And like the amount of times they mentioned that the dad is dead is like, okay, uh, yep, uh, that, that's the story. The dad's dead. That's the, that's where we're going from. <laughs> um, but the, so three good scenes. I really liked, they bring back the dad, but only in leg form here. He's only a pair of legs. And there's this one part where um, during like a sibling argument between the two brothers, the the legs turn on some music and start doing a dad dance and it's it's very cheesy and very like it's such a dad thing mm. you know like it, it really tapped into that um, <laughs> I really liked the scene where they what do they take they do a spell to make them look like they they are a um they're the uh, the centaur policeman and the only way you'll the, you know the on, the only way that that spell will break would be if you tell a lie and the the inevitable lie that ian tells is that he doesn't think his brother's a loser yeah and his brother's like helping him what a scene right what a cool way to communicate um that sort of tension um and oh my god my heart sang when the dragon they had to fight at the end was the painted cartoon dragon on the mural of the school. <laughs> perfect fucking idea man what a like it could have just been a real dragon yeah and it's like yeah cool but it's like it's a mural you've seen earlier in the film and it's so goofy and it's one of those things mm-hmm. that where it's like this whole scene has like a layer of comedy over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be- because the dragon looks so silly. Um, and I loved that. It was, uh, that was like the, oh my God, this is actually top shelf Pixar for me now. Yeah. When that happened. Yeah, I, I genuinely, yeah. To, to me, it's like top half. Oh, yeah. I rated it 10. That's my 10th favorite wow. Pixar film. Mm. Um, yeah, onward. Like, don't be put off by what everyone says about it. Check it out and make up your own I mind. I did just spoil that what happens. Yeah. There's, through, there's something the that I really love about um, just when cartoon movies can do a cartoon in the world of a cartoon. Like, you know, like the, the dragon face on the <laughs> right, front of the yeah, dragon yeah. being cartoonish in a world that is made up of cartoons. Yeah. That is yeah, pretty yeah. cool. It was really interesting watching this because Gemma and I sat down and watched it together. Moaf. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and... She <laughs> hated this movie. She what? hated it. And it was like yeah. this really weird. We generally like the same sort of stuff. And it was just this. She was just like, oh, this is awful. And I was like, no, it isn't. It's amazing. And it was- I, I had a, the opposite um, experience with my life partner. My um, life partner. <laughs> um, <laughs> where um, I was like, because sh- she had said previously that like she didn't really care about it didn't want to see it and so it was like it was a sunday night or whatever and i was like i'm gonna watch onward like you know you, you don't have to watch it kind of thing she was like, oh no just chuck it on and she'll just do something on her phone and then like 15 20 minutes into it she like you know ended up like putting down her phone and got really into the movie which yeah it was was expecting she wasn't expecting to like it she was mm. expecting to just half pay attention to it but ended up like really liking it and I think crying. Mm. I think the biggest thing for Gemma was that, and and this is, please, if you have not seen the movie, like massive spoilers here, but she has had um, multiple friends who've had their, their fathers die. And so for her, the idea that you could have a character whose father died and the whole point, the, the biggest desire that they have is to actually spend some time and to see their dad. Um, 
like she can kind of feel that personally. And so the lesson that kind of like his brother was good enough all along and kind of was that father figure and that his way of loving his brother was to allow him to have that time. Mm. Like she just couldn't get, like meet the the sort of added story it's, element To me, it of wasn't so much like, what, the movie does tell you, oh, my brother was good enough. But to, to me, I think that the lesson, the, the, what, the, what I got from it was more that, it was like he deserves this more than I do. Yeah, I love my brother. So actually, I don't realize that he has a sort of longing for our dad that's even greater than mine. Yeah, and so I'm willing to sacrifice on which, behalf of him, which is a greater form of love. Yeah. How yeah. how mature is that storytelling? As well? I know it's this very is a satisfying. kids movie. Yeah. No, no one, no other, no other kids movie is going to end it with the main character not talking to the father of the because you as the audience don't actually see it either um mm. and to me i was like god it reminded me of it's similar to how the how um we've talked before about how like toy story 4 is quite mature storytelling and 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 sort of the way it divvy divvies out the roles in the film again like that that to me i was just like this is so rare it's because it could be perceived as it sounds like Gemma did perceive it as kind of a downer ending it's the main character not actually getting the holy grail mm. what's well, uh, yeah like you'd, you'd think it would be unsatisfying mm. yeah yeah um but the, but because this ah, it's just such a maturity and understanding of character and prioritizing um prioritizing character beats over traditional storytelling mm functions i would be really interested to know like people who actually have children who have watched this movie like how the kids respond to that and whether or not that's actually something that they sort of like grab onto and 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 appreciate or whether it's something that disappoints them well hopefully it sparks conversation because i think that's the most valuable thing you could get out of that yeah is that it's it's a um actually a conversation Mm. about what matters and all right and now Moving on. Speaking of conversation, to, um, you'd think so. That's that's the first week of March we're up to, and so it's the end of June now. So you would think, oh shit, they've probably got a long way to go. Um, well, get ready for me to say the word delayed a lot, <laughs> um, because a lot of these films have been delayed. Um, March thirteenth, we're supposed to get my spy. My oh, Spy, yeah. that's the Dave Bautista hanging out with a little girl movie. That um, you have to do as an ex-wrestler who's become an actor. Yeah, um, and, and that, that's one that was, like, it was supposed to come out in August of last year. And like three times a week before it was supposed to be released, it got delayed. Um, but it ended up coming out today. So Did anyone um, see it? Anyone see no, it? No, no one saw no. it. Um, and A Quiet Place Part 2, this was the, the first big one that I remember being like, oh shit they're serious about this coronavirus thing um because like the week before that was supposed to come out um the week before that was supposed to come out it got uh delayed to september 4th this year uh mulan was delayed to july 24th peter rabbit 2 delayed to august and oh. then again delayed to january next year oh. uh new mutants has been delayed to august <laughs> hey new mutants <laughs> i hope we never see it i hope we never yeah. see it uh, no time to die. This was a massive spanner in the works for AJ and I, who planned an entire podcast, <laughs> like weeks of a podcast, well, no, no, like multiple months of your life yeah. were planned yeah, around yeah. this. Um, <laughs> to watching these Bond films, to time to no time to die. That was delayed uh, to mid November. Um, Trolls World Tour. Now, this is a really interesting one because this is potentially one of the most important films ever released. 
I do. You keep saying that, and I never remember to ask why. I am out of the loop on this. Can you please okay, explain? So, um, Trolls World Tour uh, was supposed to get a theatrical release, and then they said, "You know what? We'll probably we could probably still make money on this movie if we release it on video on demand." Um, and so they they did. They made a lot of money from it. Um, I think it made more money on VOD than the first one did in cinemas. And it's like, obviously, it's special circumstances. It's a new movie on VOD, so it's like, and they haven't had a chance to see it before, and it's one of the only new movies at the time. And everyone was locked inside their houses with their children. It it doesn't translate to it would have made this much in the cinema, not by by a long shot. But um, And then the head of Universal was like, you know, it did pretty good, so we could, like... I'm not opposed to the idea of skipping theatrical releases um, for future movies. And uh, the two largest cinema chains in the US said, we're never playing another universal film in our cinemas. Now this isn't some small indie studio. That's going to, they're going to miss out on six films in the next 20 years, like universal. Like this is a fucking huge Mm. studio. And they've, I, I, they've probably rescinded their statements now, but like the two largest cinema chains in the US saying we're never playing another Universal film, um, you know, regardless of whether or not. So that's like Jurassic World Dominion wouldn't play in cinema in most cinemas in the US right. um, just because of what this guy said. Um, now, I don't think that that boycott is going to go ahead, but uh, it, it is really interesting that because one thing that's coming out of this coronavirus pandemic is people are saying that it's, it's killed the mid-budget film. And and on the last like two podcasts, I've said this is we're in the golden age of the mid-budget film right now um, because there are these studios like Blumhouse that did Fantasy Island that are able to fund these things. Um, but now it's like, you know, indie films that it's like, yeah, fuck, we'll give it a theatrical release because it's cheap or like big budget blockbusters. It's like we're, we're seeing what feels like a massive change. And... If you are to, in 10 years time, if film releases look different in any way, like if if it's only big event films or little indie films that you that end up getting theatrical released, the film that it'll be traced back to will be Trolls World Tour. Wow. A well, movie that I am so out of the loop on. If you'd said, is it a sequel? I'd be like, well, it sounds like it's a sequel. <laughs> Um, just to not to completely well actually what you just said, but basically Universal said going forward we want to premiere on digital at the same time as we release in theaters, and AMC theaters said we will not release films that have a digital premiere at the same time as in theaters. If you don't respect the window of like theatrical yeah. release, then we won't. Do it. It's not that because of this we will never show another. It's just if you want to go forward with a digital release at the same time as theaters, then we won't do it on those terms. I think it's still, it's still still really interesting that it's, that it's kind of like the first shot fired from cinemas to streaming services. Like you've heard enough, you know, Spielberg's and, and shit like talk about how like Netflix is ruining the art of film. I've never, this is the first time I've heard of cinema as an industry, like cinemas talking about this. Yeah. Like the, um, the CEO of an actual cinema chain being like, no, fuck off. Yeah. But it, it's like- yeah. I'm on the side of Universal, though, 100%. Oh, totally. Well, it's like, the thing is that, you know, the film made at least $40 million in its first weekend on VOD. Yeah. 
and they didn't have to give any of that money to a theater chain yeah exactly and it's one of those things like like um chains like the alamo draft house and stuff in the states and and obviously like a lot of um indie cinemas that i hold near and dear to my heart uh in auckland um like those ones it's like yeah they respect the cinema experience but like these like regal and amc and shit like that it's like by all accounts it's they they don't care you know they it's just money making machines and it's like if you're not working to actually make me like if, if you're not putting in the work to make going to the cinema a good experience then you deserve to die it's the same thing as like taxis versus uber it's like if if something better for the consumer comes along yeah it's like boo fucking who that like people are using uber now um i mean not that uber is like a perfect service but it's it's some a, a competitor has come along that you haven't had for like you know you've gone like a century without any any competitors in this business and now one comes along and you just go oh and it's like you know you need to adapt or die like I, I love the cinema going experience and um I, tr- I truly do like like the idea of like actually going down and sitting in a cinema and just being fully absorbed by a film is like one of my favorite pastimes but you need to work to make sure you're preserving that because tvs are getting uh are getting bigger and cheaper and it's so much easier to replicate that at home um you know you, you have to be competitive yeah and that's trolls world tour <laughs> so um Promising Our Woman, we also talked about, um, which had a, a quite cool-looking trailer. That's currently unscheduled. M- may never come out. Um, Bad Trip. This is a really funny one. Like, um, This is one's just funny to mention. This was the Eric Andre, um, Tiffany Haddish, Lil Ralph Harry movie where uh, it's like pranks interspersed with like real, you know, like um, dramatized comedy sketches kind of things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Like scripted and unscripted. Yeah. Um, this was due to come out on Amazon Prime on April 17th, but then was delayed because of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and then it accidentally got uploaded to Amazon Prime anyway on April 17th. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it was taken down shortly after, but it's obviously available on like Pirate Bay or whatever now. But then in May, Netflix bought the rights to it. So it'll come out Weird. on Netflix sometime in the future, but what? it was available for a short amount of time because obviously... You know, they went, oh, we'll delay it. But they forgot to actually just, like, flip the switch. Yeah, the intern, like, just went home without changing it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, so a bunch of other delays. Uh, Black Widow delayed till November 6th, which which is taking um, the Eternal spot. So we're only getting one Marvel film this year. Uh, Greyhound, the Tom Hanks uh, war film that's going to be releasing on Apple TV Plus uh, in July 10th. Legally Blonde 3 is delayed indefinitely. The personal history of David Copperfield is de- delayed till August 14th. Which I'm gutted because out. it's come out in the UK already yeah. and by all accounts it's amazing and I can't wait to see it. Um, and next one that wasn't uh, delayed, one another one that skipped the theatrical release and went straight to Video On Demand, uh, Scoob. We're now, up to Scoob already? Yeah. Oh my God. Like we're actually like almost done. <laughs> This is what the podcast, this podcast should be every year. <laughs> I mean, don't get too excited. We've still been going for well over an hour. Yeah, but, uh, That's okay. Scoob, um, AJ and I have made a little video. It was the first episode of a new series we're doing, ready to record, available every two weeks on the Cold Pop Show yeah, which, channel. Yeah, we've switched to a fortnightly release. Yeah, j- for just it, so after announcing it was a, well, like actually officially announcing it as a weekly series, <laughs> we've, we've now switched to a fortnightly release. We've made um, a huge mistake. So Scoob, um, 
Jeremy, did you watch this at the end? I I watched the first like five minutes of this, and I was like, "Fuck this! I cannot be bothered watching this." Yeah, it, it's it's a bizarre movie. If you told me after I watched Doolittle that there'd be a a um you know a challenger for the prize <laughs> of worst movie in years, I'd be like, "Nah." And then Scoob comes along, and God, it might be worse than Doolittle. It's more consistent to then do little. <laughs> it doesn't have a weird I, I ending. I had a better time with Scoob, I think. Because Scoob at least yeah. isn't boring when it's bad, I think. Yeah, yeah. The animation true. is just so bad, though. It just... Oh, la- that's the least bad thing about that's it, That's the best bro. thing about well, it. Well, yeah, sorry. I did I did only watch five minutes of it. <laughs> so I will, I will hand over the uh, rubbishing of this movie to you guys. But just to record, it is just so bad. Um, we could pull up the script for ready to record yeah. and just do a live reading of it. it. it <laughs> <laughs> what is that scripted? It, it is like it, it's shut up, Jeremy. <laughs> it's not a uh, it's not a Scooby Doo movie. Like, well, like when when if I said, "Oh, there's a new Scooby Doo movie," you'd be like, "Oh, cool." So you're gonna have the 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 team, the mystery machine. They're gonna solve a mystery. That doesn't happen in this film. Most of the film they're split up. Uh, and there's no central mystery. There's uh, much like the search for Santa paws. There is only a very small window of time where they're actually doing the thing that you expect them to do in the film. Um, Who needs an origin story for the gang? No one needed an origin story well, for like mean, the, the how did Scooby Doo get his name? Seconds. How did Scooby Doo and Shaggy first become friends? Yeah, I mean that that takes this- up five minutes of the film, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The whole movie is this. <laughs> also, the Scooby, how Scooby Doo got his name is a pretty good joke. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like Scooby, uh, Dooby, Doo. Like that is how pro- the name probably was invented, was yeah. on the spot. <laughs> oh, well, if he's got a middle name, then they can't press charges. That yeah, was so right. awful. This movie was pretty good. Um, <laughs> no, okay. Overall, this movie is terrible because it's just, as you say, it's not a Scooby Doo movie. And what it is, is just. It, it's it's the weird. Avengers of the Hanna Barbera universe, but we haven't had anything to introduce. Them well, yet. okay, it's but the thing but is, when people talk about that. when people talk about the Avengers of another cinematic universe, right? The I, this is the first time where I've where I've I've actually seen another team up movie that wasn't a superhero movie, and you watch it and you go. <laughs> When you say it's the Avengers of Hanna-Barbera, I presume you mean it's because they're teaming up and not because it's a superhero story that involves <laughs> superhero tropes and superhero story structure. But it is just trying to be a superhero movie. The Scooby-Doo is about like ghosts and crime and unmasking Ghouls. villains and spooky theme parks. This movie is about opening the gates to Hades. Literally, I'm not speaking in florid, <laughs> like, I'm not making a metaphor. The plot of the movie is Dick Dastardly wants to open a portal to Hades. Cerebus, the three-headed dog, Cerberus, C- Cerberus yeah. is in this movie. Like, that's, it's about Greek mythology. It's, it's, why? It's, it's fucking bananas. And it's one It's one of those movies that I'm like, why are not people, more people not talking about how much this sucks? Mm. Like, if you go on the Scooby-Doo subreddit, people are like, oh, you know what? It wasn't perfect, but I loved it. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> what do you want, Scoob stands? You pathetic. You've Scoob stands have no backbone. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. I actually know. I actually met in my in my short career as a film tutor. I've met some um, Scooby Doo 
aficionados, people who love Scooby Doo, which I didn't know was enough of a <laughs> you know thing to that you could be. Um, and they actually helped me write the Scoob script for Ready nice. to Record. Like if I needed information i wanted to make sure what i was saying was correct about like scooby-doo lore so they helped me with that um all right so the woman in the window is also being delayed indefinitely now fast and furious 9 which i was bullied into taking off my most anticipated list and then days later the trailer came out and then it shot to number one of my most anticipated (laughs) list um justice for han is now coming out april 2nd 2021 and again that was another one that was like Oh fuck! They're really taking this seriously because it's like it delayed but a whole isn't, year. Isn't isn't it the reports that F nine is about a disease like a like a pandemic? I hadn't heard that. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard that it's like not only does it have to be delayed because no one can go to the theater, but its subject matter is very like ooh. That's, <laughs> that's full like spider web between the twin towers level. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a reference From to Spider-Man. the teaser He's trailer just, for the original uh, Spider-Man film. Yeah, Jeremy um, isn't just referencing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and also uh, we didn't know it at the time, but it is called F9, The Fast Saga. For nine. Um, so SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run, that is going to skip its theatrical release uh, and release on CBS All Access in early 2021. Thank so, God, finally wow. a reason who, to subscribe. Who fucking benefits from this, apart from CBS All Access? Not only... Uh, like oh god we have to wait so long for it it's like it's moronic do you how badly do you want to see it well now that's taken away from me it's all i want (laughs) um artemis foul jeremy you watched this the other day didn't you how did you guys theatrical and went to um disney plus i'm very disappointed that none of you watched artemis foul although given my review of it (laughs) no there's the thing after doolittle and scoob i couldn't take yet another worst movie in years movie dude (laughs) like i i can't believe the reception this got um but take it away i haven't seen it i haven't read the books it is genuinely baffling like i i like what's really read the book no, I haven't read the book. I've never read, I never consumed any media about Artemis Fowl, but the and until this movie. <laughs> and well, I mean, I knew that it had a shockingly bad Rotten Tomatoes mm. score before I watched it. So I was kind of prepared for how bad it was going to be, but I was not prepared for how bad it was going to be. Um the <laughs> the thing that's really crazy about it is that since since watching the movie, I've I've read about the character of Artemis Fowl and kind of the fact that he's meant to be kind of like a a, a villainous kind of character. Mm. Like he's not the good guy in the first few books. He's the bad guy. Um he's the bad guy. Duh. But I didn't like in the movie, they he is the protagonist and they want him to be this likable kid that you're like that you're just a classic you know harry potter-esque kind of like you know we're we're impressed by how amazing this protagonist is Mm. and at the very beginning of the movie they basically just go like it's all in voiceover and it's bloody um uh josh gad is at the beginning of the movie that Josh Gad is kind of like uh, taken prisoner and then the entire movie is narrated by him and he's in the interview room in this kind of like, you know, CIA offsite kind of dark, um, dark space sort of place. And he's narrating things that you would never, ever tell, like, you know, bother telling someone in an interview room kind of space. It's just pure plot contrivance to get him to say (laughs) things over the top of visuals. But he's like, 
Artemis Fowl is the most intelligent boy who's ever lived. He like graduated college at like age four with three degrees and like all this sort of stuff. And then there's like, you know, B-roll footage of Artemis Fowl like surfing off the coast of Ireland, which you're just like, holy shit, that'd be so cold. And so not only is he like super, (laughs) super intelligent, he's also like super cool and like rides surfboards and stuff. And like, you're kind of, there's this idea that he's smarter than any adult. And then for the rest of the movie, he's just some dumb kid. Like, he's just honestly, like, all through the movie, he, like, you know, people do things and he's like, what? What's that? Like, just any other child protagonist. And I'm like, no, this kid's meant to be the smartest human alive. And he's just some dumb kid. It was just, yeah. And, you know. One thing that I don't follow having not read the books, as everyone's like, oh, it's supposed to be about like a teenage Bond villain, like a a 12-year-old Bond villain. And that's what's the the kind of the hook of the story. All the trailers have like goblins and fairies in it. That, those don't, those two things don't match up. uh, That's a different thing. So I I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm acting like this is some big sin that's committed. It's probably not. It just feels like a disconnect. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, the whole idea is that, like, the sort of he's meant to be a human, a calculating kind of villainous kind of Bond villain, like, I know exactly what I'm doing and I'm always three steps ahead of you. But he does exist in a world in which there is the human world and the fairy world. It's kind of like the classic, like, Gaelic kind of Irish fairy kind of myths, like the mm. sort of early England kind of, um, you know, awareness of sprites and fairies and that sort of stuff. And they live in like the underground world. Um, And the whole fairy thing is that they don't want any humans to have any knowledge of their existence. And so what's really weird also is that like, it's supposed to be like sort of fairy magic, but it's this very kind of steampunky technology. Their magic is kind of like, just really like they've got better tech than humans and so they can fly because they've got better tech and i'm like this doesn't really feel like magic it just feels more like technology i don't know if that's in the book or not but it just was real like oh i thought fairies would feel more magical rather than kind of like futuristic anyway it was it was just bollocks it was just all just so bollocks yeah so recommend or nah (laughs) um i mean if you hate yourself and you also you know if you're someone who loved artemis fowl the book and want to see i mean because the thing is if if i had read the books and i had heard that the movie was terrible i'd have to hate watch the movie so just go for it and hate it um all right uh wonder woman 1984 is delayed to october 2nd Candyman delayed to the remake is delayed to september 25th uh, Soul, the second of two Pixar movies this year, delayed to November 20th. And uh, King of Staten Island, which um, was on my most anticipated of the year, um, uh, skipped its theatrical release and released on video on demand uh, a couple of weeks ago. So this is the semi-autobiographical Pete Davidson movie directed by Judd Apatow. Uh, Judd, Judd Apatow's sixth film um, he's directed, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Seems like he's done more. Mm. Um, um now i you both have seen this yeah i i have not and i would like to and therefore i am requesting maybe we could trade if you guys don't spoil this i will try to talk about defive bloods with as much vagueness as i can in return all right i'll I'll agree to that um so king of staten island is well it's like even without getting into any kind of plot details i I was, the reason I was looking forward to this is I am so intrigued by Pete Davidson. 
I, I, I've, <laughs> ne- big I've dick never seen energy, another isn't it? actor Wee. like that who, like, it's like, is he fucking the <laughs> the ugliest person I've ever seen, or is he like super handsome? Is he the worst actor I've ever seen, or does he have an amazing screen presence? And it's like I cannot tell. And like scene to scene, I'll flip flop between the two. And like the thing I got out of this movie is I just want to consume all Pete Davidson content because I have to figure it out. Um, and I, 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 I loved this movie. I I really liked it. Again, this is another movie that the, um, general consensus was like, uh, yeah, it's, it's all right for a John Apatow movie. (laughs) Um, then it's like, yeah, it's 20, 20 minutes too long and yeah, it's not very funny or whatever. And it's like, yeah, like I didn't really mind the length of it. And it's like, it, it is, um, it is, it is a reasonably long movie and you do feel the length a little bit, but I enjoyed the length of it. Um, Jeremy's cackling for some reason. It's because you said you enjoyed the length of it and it sounds like you're talking about a penis. Is that it, Jeremy? I, I played the fifth. <laughs> okay, all right. I just I could have said that's what she said like four times than what you were just talking, but I decided not to. Right. But then this you drew attention podcast. to the fact that I was this trying is, to avoid funny, saying that. Jeremy. Yeah. Um, yeah, and oh, I've lost my train of thought. Now, um, <laughs> you enjoyed the length of it. Yeah, I enjoyed the length of it. Uh, I enjoyed how like how deep it went. <laughs> that, was, that was just you guys. How it like um, hollowed me out of the inside. But yeah, and also, um, it, it is. It's a drama with some funny moments. It's not a comedy. I yeah. would say it, it's not. It, don't expect. Don't go into it expecting like a laugh a minute. It's like it's a very interesting character piece. Again, again about losing a father, like like onward. Um, but yeah, I just find Pete Davidson is just such a a fascinating person to watch and he he has this screen presence he's the kind of person that if i met him i would be so desperate for him to like me like he just you you want to be his friend or you you know you what you want to impress him sounds like our first encounter richard oh. <laughs> um, and now look you you won because now you do a podcast with me and the dynamic is very much in your power <laughs> <laughs> Tell that to our fans. Dominant. Um, <laughs> it's interesting because I came at it from pretty much the exact opposite point of view to you, where I generally can't stand Pete Davidson, and I think he's an absolute dumbass. Um, I, I I feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, I feel <laughs> like I that's not the opposite. Love yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I mean I didn't really expect much from this movie at all. In fact, what well, what I did expect was I'd probably find it annoying and. And that Pete Davidson would just annoy me. And in the first five minutes, I mean, I I have this terrible habit when I know that Richard or AJ have already watched a movie. I will like just, just like basically live Facebook message them while I'm watching it. <laughs> He's right. It is an annoying. And thing. I hadn't seen this movie. And you, you kept saying jokes, and I was like, "Well, there's that joke ruined." No, well, I I didn't. I I purposely did not send these messages to you, AJ. I just sent them to Richard. I saw a couple of them. Well, that's I not- showed AJ. I was like, look what Jeremy said. To me. <laughs> <laughs> well, not my fault. Um, no, but I mean, I yeah, I um, you started out this movie being like, oh yeah, Pete Davidson, and then I just got swept away, and, and you were like, oh god, Pete Davidson, big dick energy. Um, no, I just, I just fully bought into the world that they were they were giving me, and I just there's a humility to the character. There is a 
good humor. There is something far deeper and far more full of heart than mm. I expected. And this is what Judd Apatow is really good at. He's good at doing the whole like stupid, dumb, like bro comedy yeah, that well, then turns that into. He's you can tell um, Judd Apatow is really interested in like relationships. Yeah. And, and like, because all of his movies are about like, well, love. Fundamentally, uh, yeah, he's yeah, interested fundamentally in love. About love, and like, yeah, like uh, um, approaching that from a from a strange angle. Yeah. Um, well, one also, thing I do want to talk about though, and it's like it's a minor spoiler, but it's one of those things that's revealed within the first few minutes of the film, so it's not. Um, but I'll allow it. the um, so Pete Davidson obviously lost his father during 9-11. He was a firefighter um, who, who lost his life in, in 9-11. Um, but the, the film makes the choice that his dad died in like 2003. So it's mm. like around the same time, his character's maybe supposed to be a couple of years younger than Peter's. But I thought that was interesting not to actually use 9-11. I wonder what, what do you well, think of that? I think that it makes the story more personal rather than being like symbolic. Tr- tr- like piggy- piggybacking on the Yeah, on the because tragedy, I mean, yeah. 9-11 is such a culturally loaded uh, event that and and also that i think that you know the firefighters who died in 9-11 there is a sort of a, a sort of an awe and kind of aura around them mm. that they are effectively untouchable as characters yeah. like they, they can't they've been turned into symbols of kind of like a heroic fight they can't just be taken on their own terms as just an individual person with a family and right. kind of their own personality yeah. and so i think that it was actually quite an intelligent choice yeah because I, it, I thought i thought it was probably the right choice but it was one that i was like huh yeah, yeah given the fact that it actually is one of those like you know truth is stranger than fiction like his yeah. dad actually did die in 9-11 yeah, yeah. um yeah i i i think that what's really interesting about judd apatow is he takes characters and and this is something i should have known going into it but he takes characters that you're not meant to like um that you're not meant to empathize with because they're generally like no hoper sort of slacker kind of yeah people and he gets you and not just the main character either but like other people within the movie yeah. and in in interacting and giving each other space and actually allowing each other like forgiveness or allowing each other like you, these very human interactions and gaining understanding for each other and giving each other the room to be real people you you understand how much deeper that person is than what they first present themselves as mm-hmm. and i think that's something that that is something really beautiful in cinema that not many films get to. Um, and I really, really appreciated it. And I think it's definitely worth watching because of that. Yeah, nice. Um, so uh, after that, we were meant to get Top Gun Maverick, but that's been delayed to December 23rd, uh, which feels like a more appropriate release date for it in, in some ways. Now that December, like mid to late December is now like blockbuster season in a way. Uh, and then In the Heights, the Lin-Manuel Miranda musical, um, it's been delayed to June 18th next year. Although the other Lin-Manuel Miranda musical, Hamilton, was oh, supposed yeah. to come out next year. And that got pulled forward a year because uh, it's essentially this completed movie that Disney bought um, a while ago. It was going to be this big theatrical release for them. But they said, oh, fuck it. You know, we'll chuck it on Disney Plus um, on like Independence Day weekend mm. uh, in the States. Uh, so that's coming out next week or like th- this week if you're, when you listen to this, I guess. Well, quite, um, quite crucially, the rights holders to the musical Hamilton are not making any money from live shows at the moment. And so yeah. that's why I think that Disney were allowed to do that because the produ- the producers were like, shit, we ain't got any money coming from anywhere else. So we might as well make some yeah. money for this year. Um, although, and it's worth mentioning as well that if you're like, oh yeah, fuck, I can't wait to <laughs> cheat the system and watch this. 
uh, Disney Plus has stopped offering free trials just before the release of this because they obviously know how much money it's going to make them. Um, and also, uh, because if you're a fan of Hamilton uh, and you're like, oh, how's that going to work on Disney Plus? Um, it's there's three f bombs in the show, or two sometimes three. There's a couple that are like censored for comedic effect in the show, and then there's a few that are like actually said. Um, they t- one of them's going to be silenced. One of them's going to have like a record scratch, and the third one is going to be left intact because there's a song that's not on the cast album, but it's like from what i understand it's like one of the emotional climaxes of the show and so it's supposed to be like a little surprise for you when you actually go and watch the show it's something that wasn't on the cast album and there's an f-bomb in there and that one has been left intact um and is so, this the lone f-bomb on disney plus uh i i i might be a don't i don't oh, think no, it is. sorry yeah. 10 things i hate about you is on disney plus and that's got heaps nice. of um and the x-men movies will be on there as well and they've got a couple of them mm. Well, they're, they're coming on there anyway. Um, but yeah, like Lumumba Miranda said, because people were like, oh, hey, are you going to censor it for Disney? And he said, like, essentially, if we can get rid of a couple of words and, that, and not change the meaning of the show, and that means millions more people can see it, I don't really see a problem with that. Uh, but yeah, he announced this week, like, what's going to happen? And he said he literally gave two fucks so that they could release it on Disney. <laughs> How much have you guys seen Hamilton in any form? uh no but uh, there's a trailer out for this it's like it was filmed um with without the audience there so they were able to get the cameras like a bit up and closer rather than a normal filming which is just a wide shot jeremy have you seen it uh well so i've seen some like youtube rips of like live shows just because i'm a musical theater nerd um well that's what i was asking yeah yeah i it's really interesting because lin-manuel miranda has a a kind of a a staccato kind of rap style to the music that he does so in the heights is the same as um as uh hamilton and i'm much more of a classic musical kind of guy like i i far prefer kind of sort of lush orchestral kind of like wicked kind of stuff as is famously the case uh i have listened to the cast recording of hamilton multiple times because when it came out it was like you know if you liked musical theater you could not not listen to it and you had to have an opinion on it and everyone loved it and i just couldn't get into it i was like this is really weird i don't like the you know the 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 lyrics of this seem cheesy in some of the songs i you know just um i just couldn't get into it and all of my friends absolutely rubbished me about it and it was one of those shows where i think that everyone who's seen it even friends of mine who didn't who also didn't like it when they just listened to the cast recording when they have watched the show as it's presented they're like that is the best show i've ever seen i i I haven't heard a single case of someone who actually has seen the show and didn't like it yeah so i am i am very excited about actually watching the show because i'm i desperately want to love it as much as everyone does because i'm like why would i you know why would i not given everyone else and so i'm i'm I've hooked it up with one of my closest friends who absolutely loves this show. And he's like, this is going to be the night that we're going to watch it together and you are going to eat your words. And so I'm looking forward to it. Mm. Make sure you leave plenty of room. I was just wondering because I, I Hamilton has existed in the background of my life for five years now and I barely know anything about it. Well, I know you get to find the out song third. and I know vaguely what it's about. Mm. Um, so that 
brings us to the middle of the year. That's what we had covered on the podcast uh, before. There are obviously, as always, uh, movies like the Netflix movies and whatnot that uh, we don't know when they're going to be released. Um, just a couple of quick ones, um, I guess. Uh, there, there is one big one, Spike Lee's new film. We'll get to that. Uh, there was a movie called The Hunt, which was uh, one that was like thrown around quite a bit. Um, it was supposed to come out last year, uh, but then it was delayed because a bunch of uh, there was a mass shooting um, of like Republicans, and that's kind of what this film is about. Um, so it's essentially a, a most dangerous game uh, kind of thing where a bunch of people wake up in the middle of a forest and they realize they're being hunted and then they realize the thing they have in common is their political beliefs uh and it's like it, it's it's very heavy-handed and it's kind of like um commentary but it, it, it is a very fun watch and it's only 90 minutes long um and it and it breezes by like this this is one of those movies that i was like Oh, you know, like fuck. If I'm if I'm actually going to watch this movie, uh, maybe I'll I'll make myself a snack before it really gets into it, and I pause it, and it's been going for like an hour and fifteen minutes. And it's <laughs> oh, okay, fuck. All right, I might as well just finish it. Um, yeah, it, it's I, I genuinely a really really good time. Um, and then also there was that movie Extraction that came out on on Netflix. Um, it's fine if you like fucking action movies it's a fine one it's got good um like uh it's got good choreography um and then also it's worth mentioning the eurovision song contest the story of fire saga the eurovision movie with will ferrell and rachel mcadams comes out tonight so uh it came out while we were recording this so we haven't had a chance to watch it yet um but yeah aj please do talk about spike lee's new movie da five bloods i haven't had a chance to watch it yet Mm. so this is my second highest ranked movie of the year just after onward but in saying that it's it's definitely um a movie that would that that feels more important than it feels good does that make sense yeah no as in as in it doesn't make you feel good but you you when you finish it you're like shit (laughs) like i am i am moved um i i'm actually really unfamiliar with spike lee in general i've only the only other one i've seen from him is black clansman which i loved um mm. and so i think this is probably would probably be regarded as a more typical spike lee film than black clansman mm. i don't think it's as good as black clansman um it got really good reviews to five bloods before um it came out and then when it dropped you read the the Reddit thread for it, and everyone is like, "I did not like this at all." Really, it's one of those kinds of movies. Yeah, like you go, yeah, go to the the Reddit discussion thread for it, and not a lot of kind words spoken. Like, about like people it. just and, weren't prepared for it, or no, nah, like people are like it's overly dramatic. Um, I I would go into what I how I feel about it more, uh, but it's quite hard to talk about. What I'll say, and I hope this is vague enough, is it feels like two movies stitched together. Um, and both are good movies, but together they feel it feels weird watching them right. as one movie. Right. Because yeah. I, I actually started watching this movie um, and I actually just had to turn it off because it was, um, I don't know, I was I, I guess I was not in the in the right headspace for it. But it begins in the, like literally the first four minutes of the movie is just kind of a supercut of like all these horrendous acts of violence that mm-hmm. kind of American soldiers have done. Um, and, and kind of American police have done over the years. And like 
unedited footage of like real people being shot in the head and like right. oh yeah you know the um sorry jeremy you know the we, I, when we talked about the hangover podcast on the hangover podcast when we were drunk we're talking about the we talked about how like there was that controversy because they recreated a famous photo of a vietnamese kid being shot in the in the like bloopers do you remember that uh yeah 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 the, the, the famous yeah, that's like, a, execution style. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, that's a video. That's a video. They, they show the, the video, video in the happening. montage. Yeah, I, I didn't know. That's yeah, a video, yeah. I didn't know it was a video. So I was, I, and it, it only gets worse, Jeremy. Like the stuff, the the real stuff you see, the real acts of violence, not like recreated, but yeah. the actual archival footage is like, are you allowed to show this? Yeah, and movie? and the thing is, <laughs> and and to be really clear about this, like I didn't I didn't turn it off. Like, oh man, I I don't need to be seeing that sort of stuff because, like, genuinely, this is the reason why he's making this movie, right? Is that like, yeah. like it's people need to people need to be confronted with the fact that like this is actually the society that that they live in. This is the society we live in. Like we these live in a society. these things. We- <laughs> Yes, these things were done. We do. <laughs> these things were done in the name of the power that we, um, you know, that that we are com- that many of us are comfortable with, and so, and 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 to give the empathy, it give empathy for the pe- perspective of people who are unlike us and have not had the same um, life that we have. Like it is important. Like you say, it's important. It's very difficult. And and where I was on the day that I was starting to watch this, I was just like, "Well, I I cannot, <laughs> I can't do this oh, right yeah, now." Fair enough. Um, but but I but I don't I don't dismiss the movie at all. I think that it's incredibly important, and yeah. I I would like to. I, watch I definitely it at some point. um do want to watch it. And it was like I, I've in the last week week and a bit since it came out, I've only had time to watch like one non podcast you know non-film franchise yeah. Fortnite's film and i chose the king of staten island because i felt like something a little bit lighter mm. Mm. um uh, yeah it's it, spike lee it's like all his directorial decisions like the things you would say is like classic spike lee i can ne- that they 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 walk this impossible line of extremely intentional or completely nonsensical <laughs> there's no meaning behind it and it's, if you watch it with thinking about that, I think it's a very interesting head scratcher in some parts. Um, but I can't. I don't really want to say anything more without yeah. getting cool. into specifics. Fair enough. Cool. I mean, that's like we could go over, but there's no point because I'll probably change uh, movies that are supposed to come out in the second half of the year. But oh boy, there's a lot of them now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that podcast is going to be super long. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's actually not even that many of them because <laughs> a lot of the the post um the July onwards have already been delayed. Um and then some of the ones from early in the year have filled those spots. Um Okay, yeah. well is that is that it then? I just before we finish, I do mm. want to like sneakily there is a 2019 movie that technically was released in America in 2019 uh, but was not released in New Zealand here we until 2020. But it's it's Fake my fan. <laughs> it's it's my favorite movie that I've seen this year, um, and it's a hidden a hidden life um, by Terrence Malick. And I've watched some Terrence Malick movies and just been like, oh, what the hell is this? Like his his style has gotten increasingly um, esoteric. And what's that? Esoteric. Oh, did we both say that at the same yeah, time? Cute. Um, but yeah, it, his style has gotten increasingly esoteric. esoteric and he. I'm going to edit it so that. 
I'd say that at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he, he basically, uh, as a filmmaker, has has kind of drifted away from narrative storytelling, like purely narrative filmmaking, to giving you more of kind of an impression. And A Hidden Life, I was ready to kind of go into it and see a similar thing. Uh, but instead, he's actually, you know how like some artists make some difficult albums and you can see that they're like trying out, like, like musicians, they're yeah. trying out some new sounds or stuff like that. And they're pretty difficult albums albums to get through and then they produce like another album later on that perfectly blends they've got that they've kind of achieved a mastery over that technique or a style and they're able to use it in a way that people can actually totally understand i don't know i can't think of any examples of what but i can understand the concept you're trying to articulate yeah so <laughs> basically in a hidden life it's a story of a, a guy who's objects to uh, conscious object conscientious objector um to the nazi regime and refuses to fight for hitler um and it's told over three hours and the best way the best way i can explain it is that terence malick basically creates the film by painting using thousands of little moments from someone's life um and so there's no there's no there's no scene in the movie where like two characters sit down and have a conversation or anything like that there's just these like 10 to 15 second snatches of conversation moments and stuff like that that all drive you towards in there and it's just so beautiful and unlike anything i've ever seen before and i just wanted to say if you have the chance to watch a hidden life i fully recommend it cool aj do you want to talk about any other movies that could have come out in any year (laughs) um yeah the rules have gone off i want to talk about big trouble um, (laughs) now well that that'll be it then for the first half of 2020 that's the show uh hope you guys enjoyed it let us know in the comments um what your uh most disappointing film of the year so far is um and if you enjoyed this then please subscribe to cop Popshire on all the channels subscribe like follow whatever your preferred method is on all the social medias such as facebook youtube instagram twitter you can email us at copopshiremedia at gmail.com um and stay tuned for after this for the post credit scene oh join our discord our discord is fucking popping these days man there's so <laughs> many people in the discord it's so great so get on the discord get on the patreon we are i don't want to say how much money we make but we're one dollar away from a new triple figure there <laughs> we're so rich <laughs> yeah. um so that'll be cool join the patreon and donate a dollar so that we can get over the line um but yeah, any other final final caseras from you boys? Uh, I just want to talk quickly about the cabinet <laughs> of Dr. Caligari. Um, Welcome along, everybody, to the post-credit scene. This is a sequence that plays at the end of each episode, brought to you from our patrons, by our patrons, even on Patreon. Um, on Patreon, www.patreon.com/slash Cole Popsher. Donate five dollars or more, and you two can ask us a question, which will feature just you in two, segment. though. No just one else. You two. Just you two. You two, and the two who are listening know who they are. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, this question comes to us from Alexander McDonald, who says, if you could recover one and only one piece of lost media and had the means to distribute it to the entire world, what would you choose and why? What an interesting question, Alexander, because we just did an episode, an entire episode on this very subject, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, um, but, but since we then, did miss a few. Yeah, we did miss a few that people have asked us about. Um, there's the cat's butthole cut, which I still mm-hmm. question the authenticity of. Um, and the, of course, the the Sonic original, because presumably there was an entire film almost ready to go with a real fucking weird ass looking Sonic, and it would be so interesting to watch those side by side i mean it'll probably get kind of boring after a couple minutes but <laughs> um yeah i don't really want to have to watch the sonic movie again I'm yeah not invested um, enough to, but also spoilers cats, for the sonic movie um there's like tails appears at the end of it and i would love to see what he looked like in his original design hmm. yeah so in terms of what i'd really want to release i was thinking the other night um i was thinking the other night that like they should just make Jewel of the Fates. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you if you give it 10 years so that all the cast, I guess they probably wouldn't return at this point, all the cast have aged up properly and then just be like, yeah, we're remaking episode Star Wars Episode Nine because <laughs> no one liked it last time. People would get over the, like, wow. kind of breaking of the rules of that. I don't think they'll do it, but I don't see why they wouldn't do it in, in yeah. terms of um, as a creative decision. Like, I can... I think it's it's still valid. People do it with sequels all the time. Mm. Mm. So that's my answer. If that was the answer, might not have been the answer. Nice. Yeah, I just want to see Taylor Swift's butthole. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., In cat form, in cat form. <laughs> it's not creepy. I'm not some kind of freak. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.